0: Big fluff. You must be wondering how we came to this moment, Mr. Wayne.
1: Let me see if I recollect. Some stuff
2: happened. You sucked my dick.
0: My father. Like a lot. My father never accepted Bane. How was that, by the way? Are you done? I hadn't showered that day, and I fight crime in a rubber suit really
1: seals in the flavor oh dude jesus
0: my father only saw a monster who could not be tamed you tamed my monster okay just shut up okay with your mouth stop and two other places okay in an order that would surprise you enough ass mouth (laughs) bad
2: Hobo Radio, the official podcast
3: of HobotrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HobotrashCan.com. This is
1: Pete Holmes. You're listening to Hobo Radio. And I think that's great.
3: And now your host. Miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. With me as always, my good buddy Lars. How's it going?
2: It's going well. Hello, new (laughs) listeners who just searched this because Pete Holmes is on it. Welcome!
3: (laughs) Yes, neither one of us is Pete Holmes, clearly. (laughs) But we we will not belabor the point for long. Uh, I, we will be bringing you that interview momentarily. But I did want to have Lars on here at the beginning. Number one, because we do all these shows together. And I miss him when he's not around. But also, Aww. because I kind of feel like Pete Holmes... I can't remember, honestly, if you were got me into Pete Holmes, but I definitely feel like a, a lot of my knowledge of Pete Holmes is tied into our friendship and our <laughs> sharing of watching Pete Holmes clips and, uh, you know, experiencing the delightfulness that is Pete Holmes.
2: He's the best man. He is a big, giant weirdo, and I love him. He's, he's the greatest.
3: Yeah, and th- this interview was such a cool experience where... Uh, he very kindly welcomed me to his home. Uh, I went over there, I got to speak to him for about 45 minutes and, uh, You know, just it was kind of exactly what I knew it was going to happen, but which I was very happy happy to happen, which is I maybe asked him three questions. Uh, Everything else was just sort of free flowing conversation. And it was honestly just a really delightful chat. And so it was just a great experience getting to talk to him. I think uh, you and everybody else are really going to enjoy listening to it.
2: We will. And of course, he's just like you know, yeah, you, yeah, totally. I'll do your show and come to my home and I'm just going to talk honestly and openly about my entire self and life for as long as I can. And then you can just put that on the internet.
3: How yeah. do you, how do you become that guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, it's too delightful. Uh, the funniest thing too, I'll share this little story and then we'll get into the interview, but I went up to his house and I rang the doorbell and I was standing there waiting for him to come to the door. And he appeared behind me with his dog. <laughs> like he was walking Jesus. his dog. I was a little bit Jesus early. Christ. And I just, I spin around and there is a very tall Pete Holmes <laughs> with his dog. Just like <laughs> both of us looking momentarily startled. Uh, but then he could not have been more gracious. He took me into his home and we had uh, a wonderful chat. So he's the best he
2: is you, say, you know you say that about a lot of people these days but goddammit if he it's it's damn near true with him he might just be the best
3: well without further ado here is the interview and like i said you you guys are really going to dig this WKBBL. <laughs>
1: WKBBL is, do you know what? I, I don't know what it is. I'm a, now I'm concerned that you'll be upset that you didn't know. It's from The Simpsons. It's the radio station in The Simpsons.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay. Babel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where they have the, the Rush Limbaugh character. Uh huh. Yeah. And earlier, Gabin about God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I stole from my talk show, kind of, because we had a segment called Gabin Like Gals. I think I got Gabin. Nice from the Simpsons. But yeah, go ahead. Well that (laughs) sorry. That's that whole The Simpsons did it thing. You you can never have an original thought that the Simpsons haven't already covered at this point.
1: Somebody said I was just having lunch with somebody, I think it was two days ago, and somebody was like made some joke where they said goods and services. And I was like, that's a Simpsons joke. (laughs) Like they just it's so frequent that you don't even notice it anymore. It's like, why wouldn't you say like a term, not a joke, a term. Goods and services is a term. Sure, you might have learned it somewhere else. But there was like, I forget what episode it was, but some maybe Homer says it kind of robotically, explaining like what money is.
3: Yeah. Yeah, in exchange yeah. for goods yeah, and services. Yeah. Yes, Yeah. what is that? You oh, know, God,
1: no, that's going to drive it's gonna, me crazy. Nah, not K-Babble, but that'll bother <laughs> you. But that's it. That's, that's, we're post-Simpsons comedy.
3: Uh, well, I wanted to, just as a place to start, I thought it would be interesting to ask you, uh, if people were to go back and like talk to people that knew you growing up, is there anything that like, this is the moment there, this is the story that back home they're telling about, <laughs> like, I knew Pete was going to be, uh, in entertainment because. Oh, that's fun. I've never been <laughs> asked that. It's,
1: uh, Seinfeld has a story like that where he made someone laugh. Have you heard that by any yeah, chance? Yeah. Where he makes someone laugh and shoot milk out their nose? Yes. <laughs> and he makes a joke. He goes, I would like to do that for a living. <laughs> uh, where did you hear that? Did you listen to the On Comedy series?
3: God, probably. Yeah, like, like
1: yeah. those CDs. This is like pre. If you did, because yeah. that's. I think I've, I've heard him tell it a couple places.
3: Yeah, I like I can't trace it, but I've definitely heard that that Seinfeld.
1: I just want to. Th- there, those CDs called On Comedy were like before podcasts. There was this one guy, and I, I don't mean to put him down, but I thought he was a really <laughs> bad interviewer. Even as a as a you know a college student, I was like, this fucking guy sucks. I'm like. <laughs> But he wasn't that bad, because I remember Jerry tells that story, and he goes, I would like to do that for a living. And then the guy goes like, come on, like, what, what's the real... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he won't let yeah. him off the hook? No. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's like too perfect. Yeah, it's too story. perfect.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Like, people sometimes ask me from my podcast, like, who would a dream guest be or whatever. And like, as fun as it would be to talk to, like, a big celebrity, you start to... You start talking to their bodyguard, meaning oh, yeah. they've built an inner publicist that knows how to like answer any question, and you're like, it's like talking to a politician.
3: Uh, well, Is this there, the, the weirdest. Have you ever noticed that too? With like the people that aren't as rehearsed at it, will like. You can hear the difference between the rehearsed answers and then when they do get asked something. Yes. And it's like a completely different delivery. What's the different side of your brain? Yeah. And it's those are always fascinating to me where you can see them break away and go like, yeah. I have to think about this. Yeah. That's why my podcast is two hours long or
1: more sometimes, because after it takes about one hour and you literally see it in their shoulders and yeah. stuff. You have to face. fatigue them out. Of- you fatigue them. <laughs> you, you tire them of playing any sort of game. Not that people do. But they're either playing a game or they're uncomfortable. Most right. likely they're uncomfortable. I don't think most people come in like, I'm going to trick Pete. Yeah. But like, we slump. Both of us slump and we just kind of like pass the hour mark, start talking more candidly. But that's a Louis C.K. thing. He talks about, I think, I'm going to confuse left and right, but let's say left is yeah. the reciting part of your brain and right is the communicating part of your brain. Right. So, like, I think that's what makes like TED Talks sometimes so dick limping. I love them. <laughs> But you're like, oh, this person is reciting something that they just twenty minutes before they started were saying to
3: their husband or their wife in the hotel room. There were yeah, there were so many mirrors that got this. So many
2: mirrors. (laughs) It's a million mirrors. (laughs) And
3: then this.
1: Yeah. So you and and that's why and I do not want to get political, and I will answer your question by the way. That's why I don't enjoy the That is
3: political in and of itself. Your your
1: ability to deflect the question for that long. But it's like when I watch politicians, and I never have yeah. really before, this, this election is the first time I've watched debates and stuff. And I'm like, this is so frustrating because it's like truth cock blocking. And like, <laughs> yeah. you, you have truth blue balls by the right. end of it. You're like, nobody. Of course, I support Hillary 100%. Yeah. But I'm just kind of like, e- even she can't. Like, I wish she could just be like, what the hell is going on? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. how
3: refreshing would that be? Right, yeah. To but, just totally break down and just be like, come on, guys. That's right. Like, do we really have to do that? <laughs> but it's trying to please everybody. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. trying to
1: please an entire country of disparate people where I might get turned on. I don't mean sexually. I might get excited by the yeah. idea that she's just like, what the heck is happening? You have to consider there are people on the fence and all this. And that becomes very boring communication enter the comedian and i think this is why comedians are so compelling and i'm just speaking of them as friends and stuff is they're trained to like speak truthfully and and quickly right you know what i mean uh so anyway as i not speak quickly (laughs) to your question the answer is i remember i grew up in a quaker school um which wasn't religious but it, it had quaker leanings Um, just like Quakers themselves, I don't think are very religious necessarily, but they're kind of like spiritual kind of hippies, at least in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So it was very, very like go and do whatever you want. And, um, they let me teach a class. Like I was, I was good at computer programming. I liked HyperCard. I don't know if you ever heard of HyperCard. No, no. HyperCard was a Macintosh's programming language. So as opposed to like C or, or DOS or something that you'd see on a black screen with green type, very Very uh, Mr. Robot, you know, like scary. HyperCard was like a... It looked like Mac Paint. Oh, okay. And it used regular language, like on mouse click, go next, and it would go to the next picture, that sort of stuff. So it was very easy and I I love doing that. And then they like let me teach a class of my fellow students. This was in seventh grade. They let me teach a class. Oh, wow. So that was like maybe the earliest little taste. Probably not the earliest. It's the earliest I can remember of like being like, oh, I'm in charge.
3: And I'm presenting <laughs> ideas. And yeah. people are listening to me. and Which is, that's a fascinating age for that too. Because when Crazy. I think of seventh grade, I just think of like everything being awkward of course (laughs) you're like that was like the least time i would ever want to have gotten in front of a class and that's when your brain is prioritizing which cells it's going to
1: keep for the rest of its life yeah i always point out that the magic tricks actually that's probably a better answer i knew magic i i never want to like if valerie and i have children which would like to i think um if we have children i never want to force my kid to be like me or do what i do but i am very grateful that i learned Magic because you 're alone in your room, but instead of like just playing with action figures or whatever or masturbating whatever I was <laughs> normally doing, I was with a book okay reading that 's good, and I was learning mechanics like of a of a card or a coin or whatever, but then most importantly, I had to go downstairs heart racing and present it to my brother the worst audience you can imagine <laughs> okay.
3: older older brother older brother oh, jesus
1: if it had been a younger brother jesus yeah. christ right right yeah the captive I would, audience i wouldn't even be a performer i would have gotten it out of my system right. as a child your <laughs> younger brother would be your best friend <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you would have the
3: most boring job uh, ever
1: <laughs> i think i would be such a cool older brother but my yeah. my brother was a cool well my my brother
3: and i didn't like hang out that much that's not what's, to say he wasn't what's cool. the age yeah. he's two years older than me. oh two is tough i had a brother four years older is that Better
1: you well, know like Valerie's brother is like four, maybe even
3: six years, and they love each other they're well, so close yeah i mean it's it's different because I think four years gave it like uh, enough of a gap that mm. then You know, like, if you wanted to beat me up, then, like... You could. Yeah, so... It's totally unfair. Yeah, I think two is, like, you're too close in age. Yeah, and I think there... I don't know. I I don't
1: exactly know what was going on, but there might have been some sort of competition. I don't know. My family was so weird. I think my brother kind of wanted away from it, understandably. So he just, in my memory, wasn't around as much as, say, the bored siblings building a tent and, and watching goonies or whatever you know right, what I mean? right. we did that sometimes not the tent but watching goonies but like anyway that's that's a digression uh how did we get there we we're talking about brother uh, uh performing magic tricks oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah so yeah. he's a bad audience and then my friends would come over and i'd show to him and you fumble you're sweating oh yeah you're learning to manage panic fear and adrenaline and it's very very important for adult life and then it's very similar to comedy in that you have a dove in your back pocket. I never did tricks like that, but <laughs> a magician has a dove and a comedian has a turn of surprise, like some sort of element right. of like, and you didn't know I was gonna say this and I say that. Mm-hmm. That's our dove, it's, it's a yeah. linguistic dove. So it, it's, it's a brother or a sister to comedy for sure. So there was that. And then in my Quaker hippy-dippy school, we played like improv games and stuff. And then oh, at my wow. weird Quaker camp, We played improv games, and I had been playing improv games for years by the time I got to camp when people were just learning how to play freeze or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, really? I mean, (laughs) I'm sure I was garbage, but I wasn't... But you were ahead of the other kids. Exactly. And I wasn't afraid to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think I was good. My memories are very pure. There was no showbiz to it. It was just like, I think I can be really funny right now. And I think I was... I was always, I've always been kind of like linguistically funny to say linguistically yeah. again. <laughs> so I would do characters. My favorite thing was always like two cowboys on horses. That's the scene I wanted to do. Okay. I don't want to be like operating on a body. I don't want to be making a casserole. I just want two heads talking. Yeah. Which shows that lean towards stand up. Like I just want to communicate comedy directly to people. <laughs> um, so there was that. But then when I got to high school, I got very churchy. And and there, there was some very good elements to that. Like I played in the worship team. I played the funky bass, moderately, <laughs> moderately funky bass, and sang. Like singing is like, of course, it's a very vulnerable type of performance. And then sometimes at retreats would all go, and I didn't know the church kids that well. So I was kind of an outsider. They all knew each other. They had all been going to retreats for many, many years. And then I was an outsider, which I think is the setup for comedy anyway. That's what stand-up comedy is trying oh, to yeah. manufacture. It's Here's an outsider right. who's now joined our group. What's he about? Yes. It's very natural to listen to that person. So then I was like this kind of strange new kid. And at talent nights or whatever, I would just get up. People would goad me. They'd go, like, go do your Bill Cosby impression. Or tell do your Mike impression, Pastor the pastor. Or tell the story of when you went on a mission trip and you shit in the Amazon River or whatever. And I did. They didn't say shit, of course. Uh, (laughs) And I would. And it wasn't good. But that is the first time I remember taking a mic out of a stand and like addressing a large group of people. And thankfully, because of singing and because of and playing music and because of magic and because of all the improv games, it wasn't that weird to be i also had an overloving mother so i was like you you should listen to me i am gonna disrupt the entire dining room right now with my cosby impression which isn't that good it's just eddie murphy's cosby impression impression. (laughs) which is actually funny because my mom tells a story about when i was a baby disturbing the whole dining room i was i was being a loud toddler and some some i like to picture like a new yorker woman with a ring of pearls and (laughs) A tiny purse and she was like yo baby could you please quiet him down and she was like what's the problem and she goes he's disturbing the whole dining room
3: <laughs> and that's what i've been doing my whole life is disturbing dining rooms
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a noble ambition <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. What's, so, uh, yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna so when uh when did it start to settle in that it was now a thing that you did like when did you start to feel like i'm actually doing this and not just yeah, uh, yeah. another
1: good question i um I've likened it in the past, and I'm always careful because I know the plight of coming out of the closet is way, way—it's completely different. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a whole other planet. But there is something that helps people understand when you're trying to come out as a comedian. There is a coming yeah. out.
3: Yeah. Well, the language.
1: Yeah, the language. Just is the language. Similar. It's yeah. not the yeah. same yeah. difficulty. No, it's I got just the same yeah. language. You're like, I think, I—it's—it's uh, it's not a sexual thing. I think I'm a comedian. Like yeah. it's This is a weird secret, because—and <laughs> it's hard because you're saying. To your friends, for whom you've been performing for free for years, I think you owe me fifty dollars.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been benefiting from this yeah. way too long, yeah. and frankly, and they're know. all funny too. So yeah. you're also saying, I think I'm funnier than you. Well, that that might would maybe be the weirdest part of like the people your friend group that you know being like, no, now I'm good enough to go pro at That's this right. thing that we all do in the room together. Like, yeah.
1: For some reason, yes, it is a little bit threatening, and you did. Yeah. I would sometimes encounter people that are like, "You think you're better than me?" Yeah, they wouldn't say it, but you could kind of feel it. And
3: I still think comedy does seem like the the one profession that like everyone has. Like there are just that percentage of people that are like, "Oh, I could do that." Like, well, you know, it's
1: funny. I would t- I'd zoom it out a little bit more as as writer. Comedy is writing, right? Yeah, like you, know, you write your own jokes and stuff. So I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying everybody thinks somewhere in their brain they could be a writer. Right. Because everybody has thoughts and they think in human English. Sure. And they're like, I could write those down and then I'd be a writer. When the truth is writing is so much... This is a cliche, but it's it's not to be Sylvia Plath here. (laughs) But it's so much more like bleeding all over paper and then cleaning it up and crying. It's like so so much worse. (laughs) Right? Not always. Sometimes it's quite fun. But anyway, so people do think they can do comedy. And so the answer is... I went to college. And so this is after my open mics at the youth group and stuff. And I was going to be a youth pastor, because the only skills that I had were music, singing, public speaking, and I loved the Lord, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to go and use those skills. I was also like, very kind of like, if we believe in this, why aren't we all constantly putting all our energy into like saving people that that's how i felt i was like everybody's got to be converted yeah i didn't act like that but that's what i had been told
3: well yeah that, that's very much in i think the dna of christianity like
1: modern yeah christianity evangelical christianity which is yeah. what i was raised in i was like i'm gonna go and save people because it, it makes me sad to think that people don't have this thing that really was <laughs>
3: Well, don't, they don't yeah. get me started on this. <laughs> no, right, right. I've, I've listened to your show, I oh, okay, yeah. go into don't, like a whole, don't get me started. But, but yeah, no, I know what you mean because there's like the whole like good news aspect of like, have you heard the like, you know, this is the news you need it, you yeah, know, yeah, like you I it. have like, you know, so I have the key,
1: yeah. But you know, what's funny is like, as someone with the key, I was like, do
3: I have the key, you know what I mean? <laughs> like,
1: now I can look back and be like, I'm not sure I have the key, but I did and do say the magic Jesus come into my heart prayer every time I get an opportunity to to and i'm pretty sure that's all you need to do so i'm going to tell people i didn't really i converted one person in this traditional manner <laughs> uh, anyway um so then i go to christian college because i'm like these skills this is the device they had those are the cool devices uh, <laughs> these skills uh point to youth pastor and then when i got to college something kind of interesting happened is that like i think my high school and my grade school were kind of exceptional not to say that my college was a bunch of yokels. That's that's not true, um, but they ah, now I've kind of dug a hole. I'm just saying, like it seemed easier at my college to be like because they're all Christians. Maybe that's it. Oh yeah, and I'm it's a Christian college I went to. Yeah, and I'm going to be the guy that says bastard. You're
3: like ooh. <laughs> yeah, you say yeah.
1: motherfucker at my high school, nobody cares, but I'm saying bastard, and everybody's <laughs> you know creaming their jeans. <laughs> Which which made it really easy and kind of like a footloose way to lean on a lamppost flicking a nickel and tell everybody I'm going to teach the town to dance. And, that, and that's a good thing. That's another like kind of essentially comedic perspective is the guy that's kind of on the outside asking you to come out and play. So I started an improv team
3: uh, with Dan Buck. Dan Buck was already starting an improv team and... I'm also just picturing yeah. you getting frustrated and going to a barn and shouting comedy, you know? <laughs> like, what do you, what is Oh, uh, shouting, co- like uh, Footloose. Like you're just you're oh. going, <laughs> <laughs> you're just shouting <laughs> comedy out. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, that That is what I did. And eventually I would shout comedy in bars <laughs> for many years. Well, right, right. Um, but so I started doing improv because uh, my friend Dan Buck came and he started a team right when I was kind of wishing there had been a team. Very perfect timing. And then right around then I started writing essays like I had a weekly column in the newspaper um, called Where the Skies Are Blue which is the most ungettable Pete Holmes Alabama joke you've ever heard in your life like Pete Holmes Alabama Where the Skies Are So Blue yeah and the the articles were called Where the Skies Are Blue it's not even so I mean it's ungettable (laughs) it's ungettable and I would write these sort of Dave Barry-ish like just sort of like but perspective-less and, you know, they didn't really have a lot of balls or anything. And sometimes I would lie. I, I made all, a lot of the mistakes that you make, that a lot of people make when they start doing stand-up in those articles. I made them again as a stand-up. But, like, things like fabricating things. Right. Like, I'm driving in my Chevy Nova. I'm like, I don't have a Chevy Nova. Like, why did I lie about that? <laughs> right, yeah. Because you have nothing to say. So you have to <laughs> manufacture it. It's weird. So I remember... I, th- I I'm not sure if it was this, but to make it a better story, I'll make it this. Is I remember After
3: you just talked about embellishing. <laughs> I know
1: I still embellish, but in in the good way, right. In the helpful way. There's helpful embellishments. Right, right. This is a mythic embellishment. <laughs> it, it was either an ambiguous Tuesday afternoon when I decided I'm going to be com- do a c- comedy, like I'm going to do it. I had done stand up in Boston maybe five or six times and I was doing a lot of improv, and I was writing, and then I was drawing cartoons for the paper. So I was doing a lot of comedy. For someone who was there to study English, I I didn't read one book my entire college experience. I just coasted by reading a little bit and being charismatic. (laughs) Uh, And then I think I was sitting at my desk, and I was like, I'm going to go for this. Then something happened, which was interesting, was uh, my friend... um, Jesse Hagopian, wow, good pull. <laughs> he told me that there were these two girls on campus that had all of my cartoons pasted all over their wall. Oh, wow. In their dorm room and all of my articles. And that was literally the first time I was like, what? <laughs> Shit like i just kind of thought i was throwing these
3: things into a void like a blog (laughs) you know what i mean
1: i was like this is for me
3: well yeah and specifically with writing you feel that way because like writing especially if it's not like now with comment sections and stuff you get more of a feel but yes for sure
1: but yeah if you're just writing there's no comment section on that this is just for the paper (laughs) yeah i don't know if people are reading it turns out these two girls like maybe changed my life because i was like holy shit this is resonating and I also liked that it was girls. I never used comedy to, to get laid or anything. Well, I did eventually, but like, that was never my intention. <laughs> that, yeah, that was where you in. set out. I yeah. didn't set out to do that. But yeah. I did like that. I was like, wow, like For the sure. Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I was the Beatles. These girls are screaming and crying. <laughs> So then I started dabbling in the idea of telling people I wanted to do stand-up. And then this is a long story, but like my professor, Mark Stevik was very encouraging. He put me in a bunch of plays and I graduated and was very like, you should do this. You can do this. He, he, he even said you could be a late night host, which oh, eventually I yeah. had my late night show. He was very, I was just texting him yesterday. We're still friends and it's That's crazy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I've ha- I've been lucky with some professors that were like, no. You're you're right. You you can do this. I believe in you. It was crazy. You should send him an edible arrangement. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, well I, I want to skip ahead a little bit sure. uh, just because I think the first thing that I really remember seeing you in was the uh, the Batman huh. videos yeah. and uh, so I just wanted to talk about those a little bit sure. just how those came about and like just what also just as a slight tangent you've changed the way that I look at Christian Bale's mouth uh, with the way that, like, I lucked out
1: I have funny mouth I have yeah. comedy mouth <laughs> but it's because like, I love
3: those movies I go back and watch them now and I'm like yeah. fixated on the way he's doing. I
1: also love those movies <laughs> (laughs) Uh, deeply I mean I almost literally my girlfriend's out of town and I guess I could be doing cocaine or something (laughs) but I was on my couch just like hovering over the Batman movies just kind of like which one am I going to (laughs) watch I don't like the third one that's a whole other conversation too much daytime Batman (laughs) so anyway I love those films I love Batman I didn't realize how much I love Batman I'm kind of a Johnny come lately I read some of the comics I read like Hush and all that stuff but then when the movies came out I was like oh I fucking love Batman (laughs) And I do mean the Tim Burton movie. Like that really oh, yeah. put, no, me, put that it no, That was me too. Like, I was like, holy shit. I yeah. saw it eight times in the theaters, which at the time was preposterous. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, oh, it's Tuesday. Like <laughs> I, I watch it back to back to back because like, it's so easy.
3: No, I just, I begged my parents to take me on opening night for that oh, movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that was like the, that know. was done after that. Yeah, I had the book, yeah. like they, you know, they put out books that showed photos of his gadgets and stuff. I remember I, the, the weirdest thing. I don't know if you remember the animated one, the Mask of a, the Phantasm, the like Kevin Conroy uh, animated one. What, but, what was it? It was the Batman the Animated Series that yeah. came out. They made a movie that went into theaters. Oh, really? Yeah, but it, I how did just, I miss that? I don't know. I still watch the yeah. animated series. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. But uh, they that had means, a novelization of that. And I remember as a kid reading the novelization of yeah. the movie and then going to see the movie. Yeah. Like,
1: well, I read the comic book of the Batman movie, which was oh, great. yeah. I think I had that too, actually. It had lines. It's <laughs> the same thing with uh, Willow. I did yeah. it with Willow. It had all these parts that were like, clearly cut from the script. Like right. It was in the script, well, the comic they, book was made off of the script, so it's kind of like it reading in, a script. In advance.
3: Yeah, exactly. You're so they, reading deleted yeah. scenes. <laughs> yes. yeah. It was very
1: fun. Yeah. And then I even read the book. There was a novelization of the Batman, and uh, the first Batman, and the only thing I remember was that those guys at the beginning, it's like, it's a bat, it's a giant bat. Remember that guy? Yeah, 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 He shits his pants. You can't tell in the movie, but in the book, it says he shits his pants. That's pretty awesome. And I was like, this is worth it. This is like page five, and someone yeah. just shit themselves. Oh, yeah, yes. No. Now I'm going to, when I watch that now, I'll have that in my head. Yes. you He's given
3: that to me. It's a giant bat.
1: What else does he say? Like, he says something like, when they're counting the money, and he's like, Come on, man. Like he talks like Yeah, a, no, it's very like... And his, the bill of his hat is like folded like a, like a wing ding emoji. Like it, it's not just like a curve. It's like three curves. It's really weird. It looks like an S, I guess. So um, not a wing ding, just a regular font. So I love Batman. And then whenever, whenever I talk about, you know, coming up or whatever, uh, I, I just realize how many people there are to be grateful for. I was writing sketches, sketches like Batman Vanishes, which is the first Batman uh that we did. And I remember Aziz had human giant and, and I would like tour with Aziz and he'd give like once or twice and he'd give me like these pointers. He's just kinda like the movies go out, like people watch them. This is pre I'm pretty sure YouTube either was very, very new, like people did not go weren't on youtube all the time anyway so you like you'd burn discs it was pre-youtube yeah like you'd burn discs and you'd show them at shows yeah people would laugh at them live so i'm looking at disease and i'm like how the fuck did he do this and he's like i found my guy uh and i'm forgetting his name it doesn't matter i mean it does matter i wish i could remember so he found his guy and i was like i need to find my fucking guy and then i spent a year a year and a half maybe two looking for a guy like an i can do it guy the guy that can shoot edit he can light he can help with the writing everything yeah and then i found oren and oren brimmer who's still he's a producer on the hbo show that we're doing currently which comes out in february <laughs> <laughs> there's your plug <laughs> uh but i met him and i was just like it was on a wednesday and i was like i have sketches he saw me do stand-up and i saw him show a video so we both knew the other was very nice. good yeah on the same show at rafifi is a place in new york And I go, uh, well, I have sketches. And he's like, let's shoot on Sunday. We shot it that Sunday. Me, Jocelyn Hughes, TJ Miller, Baron Vaughn. We put it all together. It's it's the first video. It's on YouTube and it's called Haunt. And I'm wearing my wedding ring. That's how old it is. (laughs) I was going through my divorce, I think. I was about to find out that my wife was leaving me. This is in real life. uh, Because the show is also about a divorce. (laughs) Um, But I was wearing the ring and that we were shooting these videos. So it was weird. One thing was kind of like crashing down and one thing was kind of taking off. Yeah. Which again is a little bit what the TV show is inspired by, that sort of feeling of leaving one life and going into comedy. So we made videos and then I just had the guy where I I remember very vividly. I was like, I have this idea for a sketch where I'm a giant and I'm so tall and I'm walking through Manhattan like Godzilla and then this, this, and this. And he was like, yeah, we can do that. (laughs) He just had a green screen, which was a green felt uh, fabric hanging up in his bedroom, like his small oh, wow. New York bedroom, would shoot shit constantly. So, suddenly, I was like, I had all these nails, and I finally met like a hammer, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> shit, we're gonna do it. And then, we, I was pitching, uh, cart- uh not cartoons, um, t shirt ideas to College Humor because I met Amir Blumenfeld and Ricky Van Veen at UCB in New York. Ricky Van Veen runs College Humor, uh, or maybe he did, I don't know. Um, and he came up to me because I was wearing one. This is such like a showbiz story. I was wearing uh, a shirt, and he came up and said, hey, I made that shirt. Oh, wow. And then he invited me to come on Tuesdays to pitch T-shirt ideas. Oh, nice. And I did. I would go every week, and I sold a couple, and it was awesome. It was like kind of like my first, not my first, but it was one of the early comedy monies. So when we had this idea for a sketch, we had a relationship with college humor, and I knew Oren, and we went in, and we pitched the script, and they funded it. And we shot Batman vanishes, and which was just like based on. I mean, you've seen the movies. He's uh, in yeah. the vault. Oh yeah, yeah. With Commissioner Gordon, and then he's gone. It's not that brilliant of an idea, but you're just like, how funny would it be if you caught him sneaking?
3: Oh yeah, in, no, in it ex- <laughs> it is like it's it's very much one joke, but it's one oh, joke yeah. explored so thoroughly That's and right. entertainingly that mm-hmm. no, I mean that that was definitely. I remember like that got passed around. Like I, I yeah, saw, no, like, it was yeah.
1: crazy. It was the first sort of. I hate the word viral, but it it was popular. People liked it. And then we made nine more, maybe ten more. Certainly the hardest things, like kind of uh, shoot schedule-wise. Because we would, first of all, everyone says this that plays Batman, and I don't (laughs) consider myself as someone who's played Batman, but I was wearing a suit that fucking sucks compared to like good suits in comfort levels as well. It was like the most uncomfortable mask in the world eye makeup and then would have to shoot at night for most of them because they're outside so it would start at like you know 9 p.m would be the call and you just go till four or five in the morning
3: yeah
1: and in the suit and would always shoot me last (laughs) like if there was a scene where um obviously like batman's single there's a lot of riffing and stuff we always did that at the end. so try to shoot get everyone else. Everything, yeah, yeah, to get everybody out of there. Because yeah. I'm, the, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right. going to be there even if I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So it would shoot me last. So I'd be like delirious. And that's where you get a lot. That's where you get like, I was a boy, now I'm a bat. Like, <laughs> there's so many rifts in there because of just sheer exhaustion. And also having a lot of fun. It was difficult, but it was so fun. And so purely fun. Like a, a grown-up's, unfortunately, uh, and I, I mean this, I wish I did this more too. We don't play enough. And when you're doing that, I'm really, we were really playing. And that's why I think they're successful. Yeah. Because we love Batman, except the third one, which is why I think the most popular one might be Batman can't stop thinking about sex. And that is one that we were
3: letting out our aggression for how much (laughs) we didn't like the third one, but in a playful way. Yeah, no, there's, there's (laughs) definitely a lot of love. I, for sure. At some point I'll argue with you about the third one. Oh, (laughs) do you like it? I love the character of Bane, and I think that they mm. did a good job with it. I fully admit it's not as good as the other two, and it's super flawed. But, like, I just love that character.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't love Bane. Maybe you don't. It's also because of the, the shooting, and then he's just going in and shooting up the Trade Center and seeing it in the theater. Yeah. Really detracted from—I I know. Fuck, Oh, I didn't enjoy a movie. <laughs> People are dead, and, and it's fucking tragic but that just kind of made me start going like guns aren't cool and yeah. i don't want to would see them and the other batman movies don't have just submachine guns he yeah. just looks like a soldier yeah the joker has knives and monologues this That's guy's just-, just mowing people down and i'm like this isn't batman that is right. and it's and it's, batman it's- defeats him just by trying harder there's yeah. no boon there's no yeah. lesson he just goes yeah, I, I'll eat more protein or something. <laughs> yeah. No, there are, there are definitely structural
3: know. problems. Yeah. But uh, I also, but it's interesting that you said that because like I, you know, humble brag, but sure. I I saw uh, a press screening of that before. So I actually saw it before. Oh, okay. The, the thing happened. The so like, I don't know, like I'm wondering now. Like if maybe I saw it in the two days before...
1: Yeah, I know. What's going on... Like, I've noticed, for example, that um, comedians who do bits... Uh, like my friend Joe DeRosa, who's got a special coming out as well on Comedy Central. Uh, he's so funny. I noticed... He killed. I was at his taping. He killed. But when he does bits about, like, some people just need to be punched in the face, because we're all walking around with this election, yeah. There's a, there's just a... Again, huge laugh, but there's just a smidge of nutmeg in it because we're yeah. like that sounds like something Trump might say. Yeah, so we tense up. Of course, Joe is joking, right, right, but it makes us think of something unpleasant. Yeah, and you know, in Joe's case, it did not taint it. I love it. You should watch it. It's amazing. But I think what's going on in the zeitgeist, of course, affects these things. So now like idiocracy isn't as funny. You watch it. Oh, right. And right. This yeah. is a documentary.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> but that that's an, funny. Yeah. <laughs> but thats an interesting because you know, people always talk about comedy like what you can and can't joke about. But like, I don't think people really ever bring that point up of like what probably is different at different Context. times. Yeah. Well yeah. well,
1: that's that's why we need scholars. Scholars I read a lot of biblical scholars, but biblical and otherwise tell you what was going on at the time. Right. People read... God, this is going to be real brief. It's so boring. But people read the Sermon on the Mount and they don't understand how society was run back then. Right. So when Jesus is like blessed are the poor in spirit or whatever and then needs this. You don't understand what he's saying. You just think he's like, it's good to <laughs> feel bad when your girlfriend dumps you because Jesus, uh, like you need to understand context. This is this. This is the cry of every scholar <laughs> at every university right now going like, who is saying it? When are they saying it? Yeah. Where are they in their life? Did their wife just die? Did this, happen? like yeah. fucking clue us in, but we're a soundbite. Oh, now I'm preaching. <laughs> But we're a soundbite culture and we have no context and things get passed around on your Facebook wall. And it's just like, you shouldn't have heard that idea at work. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You' are wearing a cornflower blue tie, you should have been in a club in Amsterdam, right eating a space cake and with, with a prostitute
3: you just met that's when maybe it yeah. could be funny to laugh at something that's really grotesque You're, well and that's, that's also the whole thing about like you can never explain a joke to someone that wasn't there, mm-hmm. like the you know like it was so funny but that that's this... all we're doing, yeah,
1: exactly We're sending around videos going, you you had to be there, you weren't there. here it is yeah and and, I, and let, a... let me tell you why it's funny now exactly. <laughs> yeah. I get white people are offended by things and i think it's just because we're losing huge amount of of context not just the uh, the the author's intent talking about where was it yeah i've been talking about this on stage lately where i'm like to see doug stanhope who i think would happily call himself an offensive i'm using quotes comedian because he likes pushing buttons and stuff like to in the past to see him you had to like keep an eye on a club schedule buy a ticket yeah. sit through two openers who are also probably filthy and by the time he goes on your three drinks in yeah. and you've kind of merged into this playground for the shadow self to play in and be gross yeah. and be potentially ugly or weird or, or wrong or like a non yes or no place like a weird third place and and then if you take a clip from that show and just put it on somebody's wall, it's like, of course you're offended.
3: Well, right. Yeah. You're
1: at fucking work where you'll be fired if you say yeah. what he said. Yeah, exactly. And you should be. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But this is day you and night you. Like, yeah. we need a space for night you. This is why All in the Family was popular. Yeah. This is why Eminem is popular. This is why Halloween is popular. We need catharsis for our dark side. Oh, yeah. And we keep putting it... In between a video of a puppy being born and like dogs greeting veterans as they come home. It's not appropriate. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's that, that is, I would guess, the appeal of comedy clubs is, yeah, because you're embracing it. It's a cathedral. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You go in and
1: you're just playing a role. Yeah, exactly. I did well. I picked the right role. We're all just playing roles. Yeah. But there are some roles where you're rewarded for being completely honest, candid, and frank, and even rewarded for nudging. Let's say you can always see the the gray area in an issue, but you're rewarded for nudging it in one direction and and playing in that black or playing in that white. Yeah, so it's very liberating. It, it past Pete drawing cartoons, he made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even mean in a, su- a success way. I mean a, su- a su- successful way of living. You know, being open and honest. That's. That's real. I know this is cliche, but that's like real wealth. That's like holy shit. I'm an open person. I know myself. I've laid it
3: all out. You know, and I, there's no secrets from myself. Have you found that you've changed your approach over time with because you seem very conscious of all this, like did, what? of just like how you approach comedy and your writing, like because you, you seem very aware. Of you know what? The you,
1: place. There's a great. Oh, that's a great. You're good at this, man. Thanks, <laughs> Don Draper, who's a character written probably by Matt Weiner, but we're gonna say it was Don Draper. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don Draper said to come up with an idea, think about it really, really hard, and then put it out of your mind, and then one day it'll just pop in your head. So to take that kind of idea to how do you... I My comedy special, for example, is coming out on December 3rd on HBO. It's called Faces and Sounds. There's your plug. There it is. And I like there to be a little bit of uh light in there, some some goodness, something that's going to like something you'll take with you and in a weird time in your life, maybe you'll remember that attitude or that perspective or that feeling. And it'll actually, it, I know, I only say this because it helps my life. So Mm -hmm. maybe it would help your life. Sure. I I can't speak for you. (laughs) I just know for me, Mm -hmm. these ideas and these perspectives help me live a happier life. So when I sit down to write though, there is no effort for the most part put towards what deep mystical philosophical idea am I trying to sneak in here? And that's a very Carlin idea. He'd always do a bit, and there was a truth uh, ant. There was an ant of truth crawling underneath the picnic blanket. (laughs) You just think you're eating egg salad, but this ant is Mm -hmm. going up your leg. So I kind of got that from him. And I'm trying to send these happy ants up people's legs. But I'm not doing it deliberately. I'm a big believer And cramming your subconscious with as much good thought. There's a lot of wisdom out there. And almost everything I say that could be considered wise, I got from somebody else and wrestled with it and kind of made it my own. So I just keep reading and absorbing and consuming wonderful things. And then you can't help it. Like if all you do is watch pornography, you're going to write a lot of bits. And I like bits about pornography. I have (laughs) quite a few. You're going to write a lot of bits about like... (laughs) Subconsciously or consciously degradation or 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 uh, our fucked up society or right. or horniness or or come or whatever it might be that 's fine, but if you do spend a lot of time as I get to on my podcast and I get to in my personal time listening to mind blowing like it 's all out there it 's crazy yeah. there 's we know there 's top shelf books yeah. out there, and they 're not that hard to read <laughs> and i 'm not a good reader, but you read them you get them on fucking tape and sit in traffic <laughs> and you get right. it in there. And then you just can't help it. It's going to be in there. It starts to fill in who you are. And then if you're being yourself, inevitably, you're going
3: to say something of value while you're also making a stupid joke about unicorns. I would also think as a comedian, it's super helpful because I think what you see a lot now is we all consume the same stuff. So you're competing with a ton of other comics to who, if they're all putting the same stuff in, it's not shocking that sometimes the same jokes come out. That's right. But so like by looking elsewhere and like expanding your mind, then it's, you're going to approach a joke a different way than... That's right.
1: Yeah. And just really being very frank, when I'm talking about laying out who you are on the table and taking an inventory, Bill Hicks has a great quote about comedians and comedy. He's like, the more you you are, no one can be you as well as you can be you. Yeah. So the more you you are, you're covering supply and demand. If you're really being 100% who you are... And that means being open and honest about your experiences. Uh, I'm making a show about what it's like to get divorced. That's very personal. What it's like to have kind of like a weird family. It's very personal. But no one that can do that as well as I can. And then you start to, you just start to feel a little bit more authentic. And then you go, when I want this, I go there. And if I want to have like kind of pseudoscientific conversations, I'm going to go talk to Pete. <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm going to listen to Pete if, if you want to hear someone really get excited about a good psychic story, even <laughs> though maybe that might not be true or provable or whatever that might be. So comedians are going out and the, the comedians that I hate, and I hate to use the word hate, I guess I'll just say the comedians that aren't for me right. are the ones that go up and reflect back to the audience what they already know. So they go up and they do a lot of bits where the message, the ant that they're sending is um, men are strong. Men like fucking. Yeah. Um, Women are, I don't know what they say about women, but it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want to say it. uh, But something bad. Um, America is great. Uh, Sports are great. Winning is great. Yeah. Isn't it great to kill it and crush and be strong? Yeah. Yeah. isn't food great? Don't you love eating? Don't you love sleeping? Don't you love TV? Yeah. Don't you love these fucking things? And you just go up and you just, you know, you're holding a mirror up to them. And oh, I am so fascinated with going up and giving them what they don't want. Right. And making them want what they don't want. Yeah. And you start by giving them what they want. You playing this little game and this is not my audience by the way my audience is delightful yeah, they don't need any sort of trickery I'm talking about if I drop in at a regular comedy club on, sure. a, on a Thursday you know you sometimes have to give them a little bit that what they want but then there's this time where you I love doing bits about like and this is in my special, not all men like strip clubs, not all men like pornography, not all men want to fuck all the time. Who the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. People act like they're so certain of who they are, but you're not, you're a bunch of different things. Right. Sometimes when I'm horny, I'm like a werewolf. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> thank God there are these living chickens here. Cause I'm going to, it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to eat these fucking chickens. And other times I just look at chickens and I'm just like, I, what are these fucking chickens? <laughs> right. So I love going so when I do shows with Rob Bell, for example, and Rob Bell is a pastor and former pastor and a spiritual teacher and author. And we love doing shows together. And when I do those shows, this is something Val noticed. I love going up and talking about how sometimes I draw the blinds and get drunk and watch a movie, or how smoking a cigarette can sometimes be the best thing in the world. Or how I love uh, a little bit of pot. Or uh, I don't do these all at (laughs) once. It's sprinkled throughout two hours of talking. But I love sitting in front of a bunch of people, mostly who identify as Christian or or at least spiritually curious. (laughs) And I love telling them how human I am. Yeah. And I love being like, don't get me wrong. I'm fucked. I need (laughs) help. And I swear and I'm ugly in a good way, in a beautiful ugliness way. And then when I do the improv, I love going up and being like, I know you want me to tell you how ugly I am. But I'm gonna tell you how spiritual I am. Yeah. You know <laughs> know what I mean? yeah, because it's fun. What the fuck else are we doing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're just telling each other y- your your costume fits well. Yeah. To quote, it's a Ramdas thing. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're there, I'm here. Uh, meat is good and fucking is great and you know, sleeping <laughs> in and work sucks, and and you leave and nothing happened. Nothing happened. There was no event. yeah that's why I love even if an offensive comedian at least something happened like Bill Burr is my favorite comedian probably when I watch him he's so divisive and 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 he can be wrong but it's fun to ride a roller coaster
3: sometimes Uh, when it (laughs) like yeah it's funny because I can think of going to to comedy clubs and like you have a good time and you laugh and then you're like in the car and you don't remember anything that you saw that's right and it's yeah like the tickling your ass with a feather yeah yeah (laughs) where it's like you know you had a good time but like if someone asked you you know what what was funny like you can't even remember and what a blown opportunity again not to be manipulative
1: to an audience but there's so few places that we go that uh where we sit and we're together and we listen and if you if you're just kind of going like get out there and keep doing it yeah uh I don't know. I think there's an opportunity there. I know there's an opportunity there, and that's it's fun to see comedy expanding into a, into a, a new landscape where there's even room for people like me or or Duncan Trussell to go up and kind of infuse things with different
3: ideas. No, I think that's great. Yeah, I'm into it. Well, I know I, I could talk to you all day, seriously. But I think well, you. Oh shit! Y- you have to go. You got to go. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, that's y- that's okay. I could talk to you all day too um do we do we mention everything do we plug everything you're kind you?
1: firstly i say this whenever i do a podcast. sorry i talk so much <laughs> there's really only one way to do it, <laughs> and it's talking a lot right right I, i'm working on my medium setting i haven't really found it um secondly thank you for having me thirdly the hbo special faces Fe- and sounds <laughs> premieres on december 3rd on hbo and then I believe I've been told February, but that's loose. In the next year, in the new year, sure. Uh, HBO Crashing is the name of the show. And uh, it's very, very funny. And it's very, very honest and fun and real and interesting. And, you know, it's kind of a show about what it's like, what we're talking about starting in comedy. Yeah. We've seen a, sh- a question I get sometimes is like, do we need another show about comedy? I'm like, or stand-ups. I'm like, no, not really. But like no one, impossibly, no one's done a show about what it's like really just starting out, yeah, and getting into it in that way. And I'm very excited that we get to show the other side of it. It's not just clubs and stand up and touring and making a lot of money or whatever. Like I get the feeling like Seinfeld's character on Seinfeld is touring and just making a lot of money, right? Or Louis on Louis is just touring and making. You know, sometimes it's unclear, yeah, uh, how much money he's making. But this is a show that shows the other side of things it's it, there are so many areas i'd like to explore that are like comedy adjacent that you yes. do as you're trying to come up uh, and i'm very excited so i hope people like it and awesome. it's judd apatow and he was so involved and so great and it's an amazing cast and i hope people like it awesome that sounds great
3: thank you so much for doing this really hobo trash it. can <laughs> thanks for yeah man you don't have a catchphrase at the end Uh, Keep it hobo. I do, but what I'm gonna like, I usually come back and then I'll like talk about the interview. I do that thing. I love it. And there you go. That was it. The chat with Pete Holmes. Wasn't that delightful? (laughs) Stellar. Yeah. You know what's great is you're totally selling the idea that you just listened to that interview and not
2: <laughs>
3: and not that we're recording this before you've heard it.
2: He was so open and so funny. I really liked how he, um, it was just like that stream of consciousness coming out at one point and mm-hmm. like seriously nothing was happening in his head that wasn't coming out of his mouth and he was just being uh, really honest and funny and goofy and uh, endearing and really
3: brought us into his world. What other specific things did you enjoy about it?
2: When he talked about his therapist, Dr. Richard Nygaard, <laughs> about his HBO show, uh, about a time he bombed and now he is a uh he is the world's pudgiest vegan.
3: A number of those are correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, but I think that is gonna do it for us. Uh once again, thank you, Pete Holmes for such a delightful chat. And uh, thank you, Lars, for uh, joining me for this intro and outro, even though I know you would have very much liked to have been there with me to talk to Pete Holmes.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't, though, because I would still be there. I would have refused to leave. You know, I was like, hey, we're I decided we're best friends, and I live here now. So. I don't think
3: he would have asked you. He was so polite. I think I could have stayed if I had wanted to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for new listeners for joining us for this Pete Holmes interview. Come back and see us again. Yeah, they are all this good. Every
3: episode is this good. Yes. So remember, kids, don't do drugs or you go to hell before you die.
0: Never need an upgrade Let me snap your passport Secure you extended days in sun rays, You pick the place I'll make the time A little pay It's all it takes Put it in my hands Can't wait for them To touch on my controls And let the destiny unfold Just secure yourself But have no fear Let me take you on a trip We don't need landing gear Just secure yourself But have no fear Let me take you on a trip We don't need landing gear Let's get the flow in your body in motion, baby, baby, lay back, enjoy the ride, let it ride, cloud nine, seventh heaven, another level, I break it down into segments, one and call it four, let's play and don't stop. To the elevation a couple of miles high. Three, you see the stars when I'm swimming in your seas. Go ahead and spread your wings so I can hear your body sing. Breakfast at your bedside provided by your king. You be sure to get some jet lag provided by the D. Five destinations, charging to charge into the game. Hot showers at six so we can do it all again. If you close your eyes, I can open up your vision and take you on locations. You thought you Just never kiss yourself, but have no fear. Let me take you on a trip, we don't need landing gear. Kill yourself, but have no fear Let me take you on the trip. We don't need landing gear Let's get the flow in Let it body in Let your body in motion Baby Lay back, enjoy the ride Let it ride don't Feel the electricity in the building yeah. Don't know aura in the room, You feel so appealing yeah. Don't the power in the moon make you wanna fly I can make your heart beat about a thousand knots I can make your body feel like it's Ain't don't need a whole gun just in my face
3: quick while i'm recording do you mind doing like a little intro thing of just this is sure. pete holmes you're listening to hobo radio and you can say anything you want yeah hey this is pete holmes you're listening to hobo radio i just say hobo radio not uh-huh. hobo trash can this the website is hobo trash can it's very confusing but i'm very confused but, <laughs> but the li- podcast is hobo radio
1: <laughs> if you're listening to it you already found it so yeah. if you're not confused and i envy <laughs> you
0: hobo radio is a production of
1: hobotrashcan.com if you enjoyed the show please rate or review it on itunes
2: Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one.
3: We Have to Ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite universes. We, we have, have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com.